welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for February the 18th of 2020. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest news you need to know from around the industry. Hosted on YouTube and podcast services around the world five days a week, this is your one-stop shop for everything you need to know in the beautiful world of gaming that if you are listening to this podcast, you probably enjoy it just about as much as I do. But today, Google Stadia is one step closer to coming into its own and realizing the initial goal of Google because it's now coming to Samsung, Asus, and Razer phones starting on February the 20th. Not all of them, but a good select few. On top of that, we'll talk more about The Witcher 3 on the Nintendo Switch, Animal Crossing getting a Nintendo Direct, a brand new color for the Nintendo Switch Lite, and then talk about PlayStation because Gran Turismo on the next gen could target a very high frame rate. And of course, there is a player celebration event going on now that could get you some pretty awesome rewards. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. First off, Google Stadia is coming to Samsung, Asus, and Razer phones starting on February the 20th. Google announced today that Stadia will work on some Android phones from Samsung, Asus, and Razer starting on the 20th. Up until this point, Stadia only worked on certain Pixel phones. Here is the full list of the 19 newly supported phones, which includes the Samsung Galaxy S20 line that is releasing on March the 6th. And they include, buckle in, we've got quite the list. Samsung Galaxy S8, S8 Plus, S8 Active, Note 8, S9, S9 Plus, Note 9, S10, S10e, S10 Plus, Note 10, Note 10 Plus, S20, S20 Plus, S20 Ultra, then the Razer Phone and the Phone 2, and the Asus ROG Phone and the ROG Phone 2. These new additions, combined with the current support for the Pixel 2, 2XL, 3, 3XL, 3A, 3A XL, and Pixel 4, mean that you can now play Stadia games on 26 different Android phones. Stadia's iOS app does not let you play games, though, so you will have to keep waiting if you want to play Stadia games on your iPhone or your iPad. In January, Google promised to bring more than 120 games to the cloud gaming service in 2020, so there should be more content on Stadia throughout this year. It just announced five of those new games last week, and we talked about all of the new announcements on that episode of the Jam Pack Report. However, Google Stadia coming to other phones outside of the Pixel line is a fantastic step in the right direction. Now, right now, of course, the main competition for Google Stadia is Project xCloud, which has just launched its first foray onto the iOS system this past week. That is a very big move because a ton of people are in the iOS ecosystem and Android is still out there. It's a big part of mobile, but to completely ignore Apple this far into the life cycle of Google Stadia is somewhat shocking. I feel like you have to have some kind of engagement with people on that specific platform. And my question is, what issue are they running into? Is it on Apple's end where they are uh, restrictive of what can be done on the App Store? Or is it something that Google is dragging their feet on or perhaps uh, It's an exclusivity kind of thing where they are trying to push sales of the Pixel and, of course, other Android phones. So with all that being said, uh, I'm impressed to see that it's finally coming out on some other devices outside of the Pixel line. And I think this is definitely going to expand the adoption. Uh, But the question is, how will it run on top of that? uh, What are the game offerings going forward throughout 2020? Because although the tech is cool, if the games aren't there to necessarily warrant you getting on board this early on, then the service still might not perform that well, even though it is much more wide when it comes to where you can actually play Google Stadia at. 
So with that being said, again, if you are have a uh, if you are the owner of a newer Samsung phone, then you can probably pick up Stadia this week if you did want to. And on top of that, the Razer phones and the Asus ROG phones as well, which of course are going to be very big for the power users out there that wanted a phone that does big gaming to begin with. Then the Witcher 3 on the Switch update adds PC cross save and a new graphics option because man, it's starting to look very, very good. CD Projekt Red is rolling out an update for the Nintendo Switch version of The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt that adds some major new features, including new graphical options and support for save files from the Windows PC version of the game. The update was first spotted by players of the Korean version of The Witcher 3 Switch port on the Nintendo Switch subreddit. Reached for comment, a rep for CD Projekt Red confirmed to Polygon that Tuesday's update adds touch control support, save file integration with GOG Steam, more text languages in select regions, and more graphical options. On top of that, there are performance optimizations and bug fixes. The new graphical options for the Switch port of The Witcher 3 include the ability to adjust features such as depth of field, anti-aliasing, motion blur, and chromatic abri- I hate all these big terms. Aberration effects, sure. The Witcher 3 was released on Nintendo Switch in October of 2019, and the game's journey from more powerful platforms to the Switch meant some big visual sacrifices, but The Witcher 3 is going to run on Nintendo's portable console, and of course it was worth the compromise for many. Modders wound up finding a way to unofficially tweak the Switch game's graphic settings, in some cases hitting 60 FPS for that refresh rate. So this is neat, number one, first and foremost, because cross-save is here. So essentially, if you want to take your game on the go, now the Nintendo Switch is the best way and ultimately the only way to do that outside of having a laptop with you. And so to be able to port that save in from the PC version of the game, very, very cool to see. On top of that, uh, the game continuing to improve in its appearance is something that I think no one really expected because it doesn't look bad to begin with, but it doesn't look nearly as good as the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, or especially the PC versions of the game. And so to get ever closer to that goal is something that I personally think is very admirable. So congrats to the team at CD Projekt Red uh, for continuing to improve that port and overall very impressed that it even runs to begin with, but on top of that, uh, that it still looks as good as it does even on Nintendo's less powerful hardware. But if you did want to dive in, that update is out right now worldwide, and you can check out the official patch notes on the CD Projekt forums. However, if you are looking forward to another big Switch game, Animal Crossing, I have news for you. There is going to be a Nintendo Crossing, <laughs> my bad, a Nintendo Direct featuring Animal Crossing happening this Crossing? I don't know what I'm saying anymore. And here it is! After the longest gap between Nintendo Directs since the drought of 2016, another is finally on the way, and it should not come as much of a surprise to learn it will be focusing on Nintendo's next major release, Animal Crossing New Horizon. According to Nintendo's announcement tweet, the Animal Crossing New Horizon Direct will be broadcast this Thursday, the 20th of February, at 2pm in the UK, 6am Pacific Time. It should last around 25 minutes and promises an, quote, in-depth look at Nook Incorporated's deserted island getaway package. You will be able to watch proceedings unfold via Nintendo's YouTube channel, and given that I've been anticipating New Horizons with increasingly terrifying intensity since it was first announced in 2018, the author says, I'll be pretty much welded to the screen. 
Most of what we have learned about New Horizons in recent times has been gleaned by squinting closely at screenshots strewn about the internet, so it feels like there is plenty for Nintendo to talk about on Thursday. Some further clarity on save game recovery after the confusion earlier this month would also be nice, ahead of the game's long-awaited 20th of March release date. Uh, first and foremost, I don't care the slightest bit about Animal Crossing New Horizons. With that being said, it's about time for the game to get a bit more detail, for Nintendo to flesh out what we can expect from the game itself because it's getting very close. I mean, all things considered. And so now that we are just about one month away, uh, this is going to give people, number one, something to look forward to. But on top of that, uh, groundwork for what to expect from the game itself. Now, as far as the amount of time goes, there has not been one given, at least as far as the Eurogamer article goes. Uh, but I'm expecting this to be a pretty lengthy Animal Crossing Nintendo Direct. And the question that I'm primarily focused on is what's going to be coming after uh, this Animal Crossing Direct? Because we are way overdue for a legitimate, uh, true-to-form, proper Nintendo Direct showcasing what's coming in 2020 and beyond. Because, hey, we've got two new consoles coming out and Nintendo Switch is already underpowered as compared to the PS4 and the Xbox One. So what's going to keep me coming back for the next eight to nine months? And that very well could be a direct that convinces me to buy a Nintendo Switch Lite. Look at that segue, because there's a brand new color coming out soon. It is coral. Hmm. Nintendo has unveiled a new color for the Nintendo Switch Lite, and it's just fine. You'd be mistaken for calling it pink, but it's actually considered coral. Living Coral was Pantone's color of 2019, so that may well be the inspiration behind it. Like the rose gold craze a while back, this hue has proven pretty popular on electronics at the moment, and we've already seen it in the shade on Pixel 4, for example. In any case, it is the first new color for the Switch Lite since it was released in September of last year and joins a lineup of turquoise, gray, and yellow models. The Coral version will be available in Japan on the 20th of March and the U.S. on April the 3rd. And so if you want to uh, give it a wait, and uh, get this one in a couple of weeks, you can now pick up the Coral Nintendo Switch Lite, uh, which is a nice, charming color, very relaxing, uh, kind of the color of Patrick's belly from SpongeBob. That's what I'm seeing there. Uh, but, of course, the Nintendo Switch Lite, very cool piece of hardware. And I've said it before, and I'll always come back and say it again. There is something about Nintendo where it doesn't matter what games are available on their hardware. They do so well with product designs that I can't help but want to buy one of these. Not necessarily the pink slash coral one, uh, but the Nintendo Switch Lite is just a beautiful little piece of hardware, and I would love uh, to see one in a Mario Red, a very, very striking red. That one is one that might sell me on the product itself. Uh, but if you are looking for a budget piece of gaming hardware, then the Nintendo Switch Lite could be the one for you, and you can now buy it in coral as of April the 3rd in the States or March the 20th overseas in Japan. But the PlayStation 5 is coming soon, and Gran Turismo could see 240 frames per second on the next generation. Now, this is not confirmed in any kind of way, shape, or form, but let's go ahead and dig into it. We have already seen Gran Turismo Sport running in 8K, but speaking with Australian media at a recent event, Polyphony Digital Honcho, oh wow, Kazunori, Yamauchi, oh yeah, revealed that he believes 4K is good enough for games. The veteran believes that frame rate is much more important and he is potentially aiming big for the PlayStation 5's first incarnation of the massive simulation series. In terms of frames per second, rather than staying at 60 FPS, I am more interested in raising it to 120 FPS or even 240 FPS, he said. 
I think that's what's going to be changing the experience from here on forward. Obviously, frame rate is extremely important in racing games as it leads to smoother motion and tighter controls, but whether the PS5 will actually prove powerful enough to push these kind of numbers remains to be seen. However, Yamauchi added, and admitted, going from PS1 to PS2, there was a hundred times the performance difference between the two console generations. An advancement like that is no longer possible. And of course, that is a very stark realization that many people are going to be coming to terms with over the course of the next few months, because quite frankly, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, they're doing a fantastic job. Uh, the games look great, textures are very high quality, and on top of that, uh, frame rates are stunning. I mean, I was playing Forza Horizon 4 just last night in 4K, running at 60 FPS, looked beautiful. Truly stunning, and I can't wait to see what the next generation brings because frame rate is obviously uh, going to be one of the first things that sees a big boost. Additionally, 8K is not going to be the norm for a very, very long time because the adoption of 4K is still coming into its own. I just upgraded to a new television from a 1080p screen, and it is very, very good. Now, upgrading to an 8K television, that's going to be several, several years down the line, at the least for me, and if I'm considering it this early on, then many people are probably not going to be there for a while. Uh, and so with all of that being taken into consideration, 240 FPS is not out of the realm of possibility considering just how powerful the next-gen hardware is going to be. And rumors do show both consoles are going to be pretty much on par with each other, but very, very powerful at that. But in between now and then, you will have time to play on the PlayStation 4 a good bit more, and so you could get in on the PlayStation Player Celebration, which will reward players with exclusive prizes. PlayStation is kickstarting a new rewards program, simply dubbed PlayStation Player Celebration. Those interested in joining need only to register on the dedicated webpage with their PSN ID. And in playing games and earning trophies, everyone who joins will work towards shared community goals. When said goals are reached, players will earn unique prizes such as exclusive PSN avatars and dynamic themes. Sign up start today, February the 24th counts as the first day that community goals begin to count, and the program either ends when all community goals are met or on March the 15th. Those who sign up will also have the chance to win a PlayStation exclusive kit, according to a post on the PlayStation blog. The kit includes a real PlayStation Platinum trophy engraved with the user's PSN ID, a PlayStation Store voucher for $100, and codes for a selection of PS4's most notable titles. To win the PlayStation kit, players will need additional well, excuse me, will additionally need to correctly answer a question via the program's webpage. The question goes live on March the 17th at 11 a.m. PST, and two winners will be selected according to the first two correct answers given. The program will feature a total of three stages. Stage one begins next week on the 24th, and each stage will feature just two community goals as outlined below. Play multiple PS4 games. The community must play a target number of games for each stage. Every PS4 game that each entrant plays for at least an hour across as many sessions during the stage will count towards a goal. Earn trophies. The community must earn a target number of trophies for each stage. Up to six PS4 trophies each entrant earns each day will count towards a goal. Trophies earned from games with a multiplayer mode count double. In all three stages and their respective goals and rewards are as follows. On stage one, starting the 24th, 125,000 games played and 50, excuse me, wow, 500,000 trophies earned. Then on stage two, 365,000 games played and 1.5 million trophies earned. And stage three, 675,000 games played and 2.7 million trophies earned. 
Now, for Stage 1, if we achieve that, uh, you will get an exclusive PS4 static theme and PSN avatar. The Stage 2 reward includes five exclusive PSN avatar images, and a reward for Stage 3 includes the exclusive PS4 dynamic theme, which, of course, is always good because who doesn't like a good dynamic theme? So if you want to get in, you have to sign up, and, of course, it all starts next week with Stage 1. And I must admit, I'm pretty excited to see how this goes. Uh, this, in my opinion, is kind of a testing of the waters to see what... Uh, this kind of event could be like for the next generation because right now if you have Xbox Game Pass there are rewards you can earn within that program that you can then use to buy games at a cheaper price or get a couple of bells and whistles for your avatar on Xbox uh, whatever it might be you can earn stuff by playing your games and so I think PlayStation is beginning to test the waters and see if they could implement that kind of program for the next gen. But with that being said, join now, get on board, and help the community reach those goals by the time all three stages are drawing to a close. But that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. I hope you enjoyed this one, and if you did, drop me a like down below and let me know what story caught your eye today. Of course, for those that are getting on board with Google Stadia, good luck and Godspeed. Uh, but until next time, you guys have a good one, and peace.